What's up, propertarians and anarchists, and welcome <laughs> welcome back to Hardcover Hooligans. My name is Mac, and uh, Danilo, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, do you think that the ending of this book is good? Yes, I actually do. Okay. I, uh, the, do, you, do you agree? Well, I is this going to be our first disagreement? Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. But I do think, uh, and I don't know if like, I've, I've I haven't read this, these other Hainish books. So like this guy Ketho appears in the book as if he's some kind of like <laughs> Marvel character. I'm supposed to know the, the wait the the guy the guy in the last chapter. Yeah. Oh, like he's in the other books. No, is he in the other books? No, I don't know. Oh, I'm I I was saying he appears and it feels like me as the reader. I'm supposed oh. to be like, oh, it's this Ketho, but. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It just made me laugh. But uh, well, for the people who haven't read the book, there's a guy that just appears in the last chapter and is very important for like four pages, <laughs> yeah. and then the book ends. <laughs> and uh, well, when we get into the to this stuff, I have a a summary here. We'll we'll do um, quickly, but just general thoughts across the board. Danilo, do you uh, which? So we split these into two parts. Obviously, you. I hope. It'd be weird if you're listening to this and haven't listened to the first part of the the dispossessed discussion. But uh, if you have, or if you have not, uh, we were both insanely positive on the first half. And I'm curious yeah. uh, which half of this book do you like better? Because I think, accidentally, I picked like a perfect stopping point last yeah. time uh, for the switch in like both content and, I think... The back half of this book is where I have problems. Not that I think anything's bad, but I do have uh, I do have some questions we'll talk about. So which which part of this did you enjoy more? I think the the first part is so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. But I think like just like with every written thing, you know, like you hear the term like second act problems where yeah. like uh, things have to sort of keep happening because you set up all this stuff, but also like you still have other stuff to say. So like it always sort of with almost anything like gets in the weeds. And so I sort of think that's what happens. Like it feels a little more like that's just kind of more uneven. Yeah. Um, not saying it's bad, but. It's just like in, in I think in contrast to the first half, um, and that could just be part of like I think I sort of read the second half pretty quickly, and I think it's supposed to be read pretty quickly. So I don't know if I ran, I didn't feel maybe that as strongly as you did mm. because it's sort of like I feel like it sort of moves, and if like you sort of follow its momentum, it like it sort of smooths that out a little bit. It does, yeah. It does move a lot a lot faster. This. The second half of this book, so the first half really feels like it almost it almost feels uh this is gonna sound like I don't like this, but it almost reads like an academic paper about like philosophical ideology regarding um sy- system and modes of government like it it feels like arguments for these two sides of of government, and then mm-hmm. the back half of this book is like oh but there needs to be like a conflict and like a plot. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that all has to kick in. Um, and that stuff is interesting. Yeah. It's like the word came to mind is like atmospheric almost. Yeah. 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 Like it's sort of like, you know, you're going like time, whatever. And like the back half is like, it's sci-fi book time. Yes, bitches. Th- yeah. It does feel like that. <laughs> Here we go. There's war. Right. There's guns. And that, and that's good and bad. Cause, um, 
I think that that stuff is interesting, but it does feel sort of like this book is what my copy is like just under 400 pages, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 387. And, uh, it, it, this book covers like a really long period of time in in our main character's life, but the book is not super long. And so there will be like sentences where it says, and months passed, um, yeah. So tension is really building, but for me at least, it does feel like everything sort of culminates and conflicts are resolved just like a like like that, just incredibly mm. quickly, like at the snap of a finger. Like suddenly, this government is, and I know it's not suddenly because it has been happening, but Shevik is makes the makes a decision and leaves. Uh, his original goal behind and starts a new goal. And for me, that felt a little out of nowhere, even though in the fiction of the book, it was building, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel that. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about it. Like, cause you know, there's the scheme of the book is sort of like the alternating chapters, like, like the odd ones are flashbacks yeah. and the even ones are like the, you know, the present moment on different planets. Um, where it's, I, I could see a, <laughs> Brandon Sanderson version <laughs> where he wants to flesh out the plot on the on Uras. Yeah. And so adds a bunch of really boring fluff <laughs> chapters to stick to his scheme. Right. So like I would almost rather have it feel rushed than have it oh, be definitely. like why are we here? <laughs> yeah. Cuz it's all important and the and Eris stuff um informs all the Ura stuff but it mm-hmm. is always you're never going to escape if you're telling a story out of sequence you're never going to escape the the stuff on Urus is way more interesting than the stuff on Anaris uh, like more important from a plot thing right, and like yeah. the first the first half of the book sort of avoids being a having too much plot so it can sort of like sit in the ideas more but like the second half like plot starts happening and so like some of the ideas they can't spend as much time on yeah so, uh, yeah, I think that's fine for not getting into specifics. Do you have anything yeah. other other general things to say before we before we dive in big time? I have not read a lot of sci-fi, but I think this is the best sci-fi book I've ever read. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, a glowing recommendation. I think this book is incredible, uh, all the way through from at the very least a like technical writing standpoint yeah and i think that it's problems that we were talking about are very uh small in the context of how awesome this book is it's just that because Mm -hmm. it's so good it's it's sort of like yeah it's more glaring than it would be in say a lesser book um man i can the only thing i can think of is like oh i wish i read this book in like college oh i know because like the stuff like i was thinking about in college i'm like like these books like she just like says in a paragraph i'm like that's what i was thinking like five years ago or whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) um okay so uh for the summary if uh we're just gonna i'm not gonna summarize the whole book just gonna summarize um these next things and i'm gonna do them chronologically the book tells the story out of order but we'll i'm gonna do what happens on anaris first and then urus so on uh anaris there's a drought or famine or there's a food shortage i don't remember exactly uh, why drought equals famine right equals food shortage Uh, right (laughs) thank you danilo 
Um, yeah, I'm an ecologist. And so, <laughs> and so Shevek, being the uh, altruistic guy that he is, is, is he's all, uh, he's like, hey, fuck all this. Uh, oh, I guess also he gets into a big argument with uh, resident <laughs> physics creep Sable. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Sable tells Shevek that essentially they're going to fire him. And he's like, sorry, you're going to have to find a new fucking job, idiot. Um, and Shevek doesn't know what to do, but he's a, he's a good anarchist at heart and he's going to go serve his, his nation, the planet of Urus or nope. Whoa. The planet of nation. No, 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 no nation. Whoa. The moon of (laughs) Anaris by, uh, doing like the shittiest job of all time. Um, just to help. Help. What is it exactly? I, I don't have that down. What does he go do? Do you remember Danilo? Well, the, yeah, the idea is that like this famine is so bad, or the drought is so bad that like he's in the desert. Uh, he's in like the particularly sort of optional, bad desert. Yeah, optional jobs are sort of being waylaid to be like we need people to work on yeah. making food. Yeah. So yeah, he was like mining for something. I don't know. It's just like awful and dusty and dry and they don't have enough rations for like the workers and right. people are starving. Yeah, it's bad. It is bad. Um and she- Shevik starts to become disillusioned with Anaris here thanks to Badap, his friend, cuz they're called like Nanchibi. Is that what they're called? Uh <laughs> Bet- uh, Bet- uh Shevik's friend uh, is a hippie and he he has a hippie commune inside this hippie <laughs> commune uh, who don't work uh, and Shevik originally mm-hmm. is Someone like forces anyone to work right and Shevik is like oh these guys are lazy and then he starts to get to know them and it's like oh no the the our world does not value their work one is a musician but the syndic of music or syndic of art or, or whatever it's called hates the art that he makes and so they make fun mm-hmm. of him and stuff and like why would you continue to do that if you're constantly being ridiculed so anyway after the drought uh, after the the famine uh Shevik... well, can i say one more thing about oh, the yeah, yeah. famine i think i i like the there's like the tension between um like human reactions to things and like the ideals of this, you know, brotherhood on this planet. Yeah. Where it's like, I think they talk up, there's a scene where like a, tr- a food train breaks oh, yeah. down, like outside of a starving village. And it's like, are they gonna like r- raid us? You know, like that's not good, but also like when you're hungry, like it's the first time Shevik is like, was actually hungry and so like everyone sort of has to reckon with what actual hunger yeah means in conflict with um like these socialist anarchist ideals of community which i thought was very interesting yeah it is it is interesting and it happens again he talks to another uh train driver about that stuff and the train driver's like man this world man i don't know maybe we made a bad a bad a bad move <laughs> moving here so after the the drought. Um, Shevik and his not wife, but partner, life partner, domestic partnership, domestic, domestic to get partner. a tax break. No wait, no, no taxes. No, 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 no. Talk, talkver, talkver. Takver. Yeah, sure, Takver. They have had a child and have been separated for a long time. Not because they didn't like get imaginary divorce they got they just like had to go do i say imaginary divorce because they're not they're not married (laughs) they just had to go do work far away from each other and so honey i want an imaginary divorce (laughs) they have a kid uh which is not really important to the story but they have two kids and shevik 
<laughs> Shevik and Bedap go to a uh, a like town hall meeting essentially, and <laughs> almost jokingly are like, "Hey, somebody should go to an, uh, Aras, huh? Hey, somebody <laughs> should." And well, this is, is it after they set up the their like department of initiative. It is. Oh, it's during a discussion at the department of initiative. Oh, okay. It's a uh, Bedap's. Uh, would you like to describe the the Department of Initiative, Danilo, or uh, this yes. whatever it is? So basically, like Bedap and Shevik and a bunch of the hippie friends are all fed up that Anaris is like run by conformity because like there aren't any laws, but the big deal is made of like there's a lot of conventions. Yeah, and so like there might not be any actual laws that people are enforcing, but it's sort of conventions are enforced by like public opinion and like what other people think of you and so it's led to all these issues of Shevik can't work on his physics because no one else sees the value in it and so like people like sort of like shame him for working on it same with like uh bed apps music and all that stuff and so they get sick of this so they make their own syndicate that like is dedicated to shaking things up basically so they're they're the anarchists yeah. on the anarchist planet yeah which is uh I'll, it's hardcore it's badass man yeah I that's, like that that's cool <laughs> and uh shevik's mom is there and she's like uh, yeah so they go so they have to go <laughs> like this department of initiative they don't it's very weird because you sort of see that like you know whenever people you can be staunch individualists, but whenever people work together, like they will butt things heads. come up. <laughs> yeah. Like things will butt heads and like there will be some sort of structure. So like there's this central council that they have to go to to like get permission. Not really permission to do things, but kind of permission, you know. It's like permission to not be bullied when they do things. Like that's yeah. That's almost what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they get approval from this council. Like, that carries some weight, but they don't have any power. Remember, they don't have any power, but right. they actually do, you know. And Shevik's mom sits on this council. Yeah, and she is uh, against the idea of 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 anybody going to Urus. And I have this, this section here. This is a, a quote from the book to describe how these anarchists argue with each other, which I thought was, was very <laughs> funny. Um to report an anaristi managerial debate in full would be difficult. It went very fast, several people often speaking at once, nobody speaking at great length, a good deal of sarcasm, a great deal left unsaid. The tone emotional, often fiercely personal, an end was reached, yet there was no conclusion. It was like an argument among brothers or among thoughts in an undecided mind. And I like <laughs> I like that they describe it as as thoughts, like they're arguing with each with e- it's like arguing with yourself like in your head because yeah. they all essentially believe the same stuff it's just how do we how do we uh, enact on those beliefs which is which and is like really they good. can't and like they can't force anyone to do anything right. like it's very it's like very organic but also a way a lot of <laughs> corporate meetings work yeah. where no one wants to actually do anything when Shevik and Takfair and our, all of our crew Bedap and our new best friends are all together Shevek brings up that he won an award on Urus for physics, which we know already because that's how the book begins. Um, and Shevek makes the decision that, yeah, he's going to go. And when he makes this decision, uh, Sabul and, and, and his mom and all these people call him a traitor. And Shevek's kid is like getting bullied at the dormitories for mm-hmm. uh, their family being traitors. And then now... We as the reader know why at the beginning of this book people were throwing rocks at Shevik and trying to kill him. 
Yeah, uh, which is fucked up. Leave, even though it's like totally and like part of the meeting was they're not saying they're not gonna let him go. It's will they let him come back? Yeah, and like there's a whole people like oh if he goes and comes back he's no better than someone from Uras. They're like gonna kill him there's like a faction that yeah says like if you go and come back like there's gonna be violence we're telling you that right now yeah and that's just like a small group but it's still like a a threat right and it'd be interesting to have a conversation about you know because there's no law like what violent the role violence and force plays in this yeah like what does that look society like? have they done Cause that it's before? like not because con- it's like it's not condemned because there aren't any laws right and so it's very, yeah. Also, a lot of the reasons people kill and hurt each other are gone, you know? like Yeah, like food. Like, no one's starving. Right, exactly. No one's, like, has less than someone else. And nobody's robbing. There's no, there's no, like, robbing or, like, jealousy, because, like, that's not how their society functions. Yeah. Uh, I guess there is jealousy. We do see it in some of the some of the characters. But there's no, like, there would not be a crime of passion on uh, an Ares, because there's no, like... They don't really, they, there's no, there's like, no, possession of no. other people. Yeah, there's no there's no monogamy or anything. Okay, so, Urus is a lot more complicated, but I am going to just give bullet points, and then I think we can dive into those bullet points individually. Sure. Shevik goes to dinner, and he meets Veya, who is his colleague Oye's uh, sister in, sister or sister-in-law? One of those things. Is that, is that right? She's a... Uh, She's uh, incredibly beautiful, and Shevek is smitten with her. They have a day on the town. Um, oh, I, maybe we can add this up top. I'll say it clean. Content warning. Uh, th- we're going to talk about sexual assault in this episode, because uh, uh, it happens. It happens <laughs> yep. big time in this section. Uh, Shevek, uh, dr- I mean, drunkenly attempts to rape Vea. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's never been drunk before, right? He's never. There's no alcohol yeah. on. Uh, Vea is never in the novel again. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Shevik goes back to Iun, the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shevik gets really mad that everybody's trying. Everybody has been lying to him the whole time and is just trying to get the research in his head so that they can control everything. He leaves and joins a rebellion. The rebellion mm-hmm. fails? Question mark. Shevik leaves Urus. The book ends. Uh, the the rebellion fails. Shevik defects to another, like the embassy, another planet. Right. Yes. Yeah. The and the point is, he doesn't have the idea for faster than light travel. He has the idea for instantaneous communication, and his plan is to give that. He's like, hey, embassy that's not on this planet. Can you transmit this to everyone so that everyone has this and no one planet yeah. can hold it over other people? Yeah. And that's like the important, that's like the climax of the book, effectively. And then he goes back home. And then what happens when you get home is an open question because yeah. it stops right before they land. Yeah, which uh, to me is certainly a choice. And yes. I think it's, I do think it's Le Guin being able to dodge uh, a. <laughs> In my opinion, it, it it reads to me like Le Guin did not want to have to wrestle with what that looks like, uh, what yeah. like a new Anaris looks like, and that's 
what I was wanting the entire time. Like, I, I really wanted, I, I didn't <laughs> yeah, want, like, yeah, a yeah. battle. That's not what I'm saying. But I wanted this, like, <laughs> <laughs> big fantasy battle. <laughs> Shemek has a sword. Uh, I wanted them, Aenerys, as a whole, to, like, wrestle with this question, not just our main our main characters. Because Urus would never do that, because it's, like, a real planet. It's fucking huge. I think there's only yeah. 20 million people. I Only, but there, I think it's 20 million people in total live on Aenerys. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could um, essentially talk all to each other. Um, but the, but they don't. That's not what the book is interested in. But I was sort of hoping for that. But I around, when I saw that there was like forty pages left, I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is sort of uh, it's an asking questions book. Yeah, not a here are answers book. And sort of like, can Anaris change? What would happen? What's the future of these ideas in a sort of interplanetary way? Like, that, I think, would involve a lot of Le Guin coming down on certain things, where I think the strength of this book is the way it gets you to question things about our own society, you know, rather yeah. than dealing with, like, the implications in this sci-fi world, yeah. you know? And this book is is a is like a critique on utopia. You're not supposed to come away from this book being like, well, Aenerys is good and Urus is bad. Like, that's not... Yeah. I mean, Urus is bad, but you're not supposed to go away with being like Aenerys is good. It it has its problems, and those problems are are interesting. It just uh, death of the author and all that. But Le Guin doesn't. Um, it doesn't. She doesn't like have a. She doesn't have a thesis on that. No. Um, which is fine, but. I was interested in just hearing what her thesis might have been on that, but mm. I, I don't. I am not sure if there's a way to do that without, like, Shavek and Ketho at the end just sitting down and being like, "Well, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> anarchy is good, and sometimes it's bad." And then they uh, give each other a big hug. I don't know how you would go about doing that. And I, but yeah, you know. Though I definitely felt like the end. I was shocked. It's sort of a happy ending <laughs> it, yeah i know it is it Which is i didn't i was not expecting happy ending <laughs> no, here absolutely not so the idea of the end i mean we're talking about it now so we can just talk about it um is like he's going back and like because he went on his trip and has this information um and has this instantaneous communication that like the relationship with the, between the planets is forever changed and this guy at the end, the last chapter, he is part of the Hainish planet. He's from Hain. And he, like, decides to be like, hey, can I join Anaris and be an, you know, Anaresti and a good Odonian and all that stuff? And Shavik's like, I don't know. You kind of <laughs> have to. <laughs> they might kill you because, yeah. like, they're really fearful of outsiders, like, poisoning their utopia. And so he's going to go off the ship with Shevek and sort of see what happens. Then, you know, the book ends. Yeah. Um, what do you think happens? I know this is, I don't know if, I don't know if this is too like trite a conversation to have, but I definitely have my <laughs> idea of like what, what I think would happen. Well, I'd like to imagine that, uh, cause, cause it's important that, um, I think I forgot to say this too. Shevek gives the instantaneous communication to, the Terran embassy and then and then they 
give it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody can use it, not just Urus. And I like to think that that, uh, like quite literally seizing the means of not production in this case, but communication. Um, and, yeah. and everybody can, can communicate the same way, uh, is, uh, that might be enough to convince like the dissenters on Anaris that because th- like I have a hard time thinking that Rula Rulag is gonna kill Shevik when he comes back, um, and they might let like it's important Ketho as this character, it's, it's incredibly important and it's only in like three pages that like he's the first and guy. Ketho is the guy on the ship. I don't. Yes, that's yeah, his name. yeah. Right. The, he's an he's literally an alien. I mean, they're mm-hmm. like human. He's not a gray spaceman, but he, he's like an alien, <laughs> and he's going to live on this planet. And it's going to be the first time in over, what, 160 years that that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, since the the moon of Anaris was settled. So I like to think that it all works out. <laughs> that's what well, I Because like I think. think it's the whole, like, the from what I see, the point of the book and, like, Shevik's role in it is, like, you know, Anaris has gotten too, like almost like comfortable and they always talk about how like you know the the revolution is a constant process inside everyone's you know soul basically yeah and so like the like they sort of have let it settle and his whole idea is to like shake it up a little bit in order to like reaffirm what it's actually all about yeah like so i like to think that you know they're challenged and it's uncomfortable but ultimately like it resolves into like a greater strength yeah. of their ideals. Yeah, I mean as far as the ending goes, I think that's sort of all I have to say about that. Maybe maybe we work backwards about that. I think that might be a good mm-hmm. a good way to do yeah. this. Um uh we can talk about Shevik's joining of the Is there a name for that movement? Do they come up with a name for that? No, it's just I think it's a good general like w- working class revolution. Yeah, it's the it's the. This is another thing I wish like I wish he made like he only meets a poor person like when there's a hundred pages left of this book. I know. Like I yeah. sort of wish it happened earlier. Yeah, there's a it, and I don't believe like Shevek is too. I don't know. I he <laughs> he does meet like the poorest, saddest man of all time. To be fair to Shevik, the his servant, he talks to his uh, his servant, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, man, In this hotel he's staying at." Or yeah, whatever. he's like, "My, uh, my, I have like eight, I've had eight million dead babies." And Shevik's like, "Holy shit!" And it's like, "Yeah, I've been to war like eight billion times." <laughs> it's like, "Oh my god!" Uh, my dad was a janitor. <laughs> yeah, and he hated it. And Shevik's like, "But why would you do something you hate?" It's like, "Cause it's better than not having any money." Yeah. Uh, and Shevik, after that conversation leaves and joins well it's after that converse these conversations he's having over a period of time with his his butler uh also what's the butler's what's the guy I serving don't butler's name remember i don't have it written down let me see if i can find it yeah poor people are very forgettable so we don't really <laughs> don't write that we down. don't really care about them <laughs> the one named poor person that's booked f4 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 yeah f4 efor uh his name is f4 so F4 takes pity on Shevek. This is also was a little unclear to me. Like when, when he first meets Shevek, it seems like F4 fucking hates him. And mm-hmm. then there's a moment where Oye, uh, Shevek's colleague, comes to visit and is like, "Hey man, you partied real hard last night, didn't you?" 
And then he leaves, and Shevik, like, l- literally, like, throws his hands up in the air, and he's like, I hate the world, no! <laughs> and then a four comes in, and is just like, hey, we're cool now. And I it's I think it's like, because, uh, um, like, Shevik is just not so not part of the system and, like, relating to people in a certain way. And a four is just so, it's like a, it's like a capitalism thing where, like, you know, the poorer you are the more you the lower class you are the more you have to worry about money and every interaction and every choice and everything relationship you have is like about money because it's so valuable and it's what's keeping you from you know being utterly keeping you from surviving right and so like the fact that Shevek is sort of like like transcended that or like his whole people have transcended that like I can sort of see how like if your whole life you've been forced to reckon with this and like there's this guy who just like doesn't have to worry about it based on how he was born how you could like resent that yeah you know? yeah that's true that's true that's a good point um but Shevik or like think it's or think it's like fake or think it's like posturing because like yeah. you'd you'd have no conception of how anyone could yeah like think my, like that think he's lying so... or like rubbing it in whenever he's talking to whenever Shevik is talking to F four mm-hmm. and I think one of the especially the back half of this book the more he interacts with like the Rasti people I th- one of my favorite parts is like how Le Guin portrays just how deep in the psyche of people the idea of like money and financial transactions how they underlie like human relationships is like yeah. i think that's my favorite part of this the second half of this book it, it's funny in the second half of this book we meet the the, the poor people of us mm-hmm. and it you know to shevik it's a shock but to any reader it's just like yeah this is what walking in a city is like like this is just what well, and living it's like, is like it's also like there's comic levels of unemployment yeah. like it's like 400,000 <laughs> people are unemployed yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah people are really rude like shevik is like hey how do i get to this street and people just like walk right by him and they're like fuck you man <laughs> well he like then he like tries to buy a piece of like bubble gum at like a stand and mm-hmm. gives him like money, and the guy's like super friendly to him. And like Shevik's like, is he only friendly because like he was selling me something? Yeah, you know. So Shevik escapes the university because when Oye comes to visit him, he conveniently is like, oh yeah, also nobody's allowed to leave anymore. <laughs> like you have to stay here because there's a war. Because oh, because there's a war going on. There's right? a there's a vague war that I'm still confused on. So if you feel oh, it's like a, you it's can, a, no, it's a I, yeah, it's a. It's like a proxy war. Right. I think it's yes, a, it is because like it's the Le Guin wrote war. this like during Vietnam. Yeah. So it, it's like the the Soviet Union of this planet, which whose name I forget. Oh, it's called Thu. Yeah, Thu. The, it's like it's like a centralized socialist whatever. Th- they're like backing a rebellion in this other country, like I don't know, like Afghanistan or Vietnam yeah. or something, and then like IO, which is the United States goes in to like suppress that rebellion and so it's basically like a proxy war yeah cold war thing i was just uh i i i didn't i didn't catch why like the war they make a point of being like the war is not here because like we've there's like a line where oye it's very (laughs) it's not subtle where oye (laughs) is like uh oh we've we're too civilized to have war in our like first world countries we have them in the in the third world uh, countries, mm-hmm. but I was just confused why nobody was allowed to leave the university anymore. Or was he? Is it just Shevik and I'm an idiot? And that's like subtext I missed. I don't remember. 
Yeah, and who know who knows? <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> Shevik has to sneak out of the university, uh, which he does with the help of F4, mm-hmm. and he meets. Uh, he essentially stumbles into a proletariat revolution. He's like, "Can you here's can you take me to this guy?" And everyone's <laughs> like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "Yes." Oh, and they're like, "Oh, you're the famous alien guy from the Anarchy Planet." <laughs> yeah. Sure, we'll take you to the leader of our revolution. Yeah, this is where the book for me starts to. And not fall apart structurally, but where like the problems start to come because it it's, just go fa- it just goes really fast. It does go really fast because like he goes to the city, he talks to like three poor people, and is suddenly like printing thousands of copies of revolutionary propaganda. <laughs> like that's and, seriously like, and how then, fast like, it happens. Yeah, and then like the next paragraph, it's like the biggest revolution in the town square, <laughs> and he's like giving he's in the middle of a speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like a great speech, but it's like whoa, it's an amazing speech. But seriously, in the span of like twenty pages, Shivek escapes confinement at the university, joins a rebellion, starts rebelling. Everybody in the rebellion dies. <laughs> like it's seriously <laughs> that fast. Um, and then and then he defects and then he does the thing like yeah it's like the plot of the whole book happens yeah he argues with a woman from Earth because I believe Terra is Earth yeah it's like literally Earth yeah there's a character from Terra whose name is not a famous person it's Einstein <laughs> not a, it's not, not Einstein. Einstein no Con- coincidentally came up with the same exact theory <laughs> yes yeah and uh Ein- Einstein's theory of relativity is how Shevek figures out I was a little confused about that part I was reading it. I was like huh Shevek goes into like a mind trance and figures out everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh which is like very beautifully written and and wonderfully interesting but it's it's one of those moments where I'm like is what is real what is happening here well and I think it's what I think it's like you're supposed to read it like let it sort of wash oh, over you yeah. in the way that it's like he's in this it all makes sense to him and you're like you're it's supposed to feel like you're in it with him which, but like, yeah, I I don't think it. If you actually tried to make sense of it, it, it wouldn't because this thing doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> it's science fiction. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's that's all about that, right? Shevik's revolution goes goes poorly. The police show yep. up with attack helicopters and kill everybody, and then yep. hunt down the remaining protesters. A, yeah, he gets stuck in a basement with a guy who like tried to help him or like saved him. He got his, like, hand shot off. Yeah. And then, so he's, like, trying to heal him, and there's, like, an army outside, and they're trapped in this basement, and then, like, the guy dies, and then when it's safe, you know, Shevik runs to the embassy. Is it? The, he goes to the Terran embassy, right? Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah. And that's when he releases his d- device, which I believe is called an Ansible. Yes, yes it is. And that apparently is important in the rest of the Hainer cycle books, because it's how all the planets communicate with each other. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... So this... Okay, so... So we gotta talk about the Veya... The Veya Shevik yes. stuff yep. next. Um, that is, like, the big thing in yeah. this book, where I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, that's a... Okay, so... I... I really like that part okay. of the book. Um, it It is... The one problem with it is that Shevik never... It's like he never... He doesn't have to deal with it. No, he doesn't have to deal with the fact that he, like, raped a woman. Or he didn't. Or he, tried, he tried to. He tried to, to, to sexually assault a woman. But, uh... And, and I think the book kept, like, the the point of it seems to be so in the next chapter he can feel shame for the first time in his life. Yeah. But then, like, 
nothing happens. I also don't quite buy that this is the first time he's felt shame in his life, but... Well, sure, yeah, because, like... Yeah, I mean, he, it's the first time we, the reader, has seen it, because we see his life. We don't see... This book is not 8 billion pages long. We don't see every day in this guy's life. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, you're right. There, There's no... In in the Inari's chapters, but he does kind of feel ashamed when he well, wants to, like, take credit for his work over Sabul. Yeah, well, it's the whole... I also find, like, the whole, the whole Inari's society is almost based on shame or fear of shame because like that's how you like it's when it's social convention and expectation like you know that's what's like the opinion of your fellow people is what is sort of keeping you in line right and like that's sort of feel fear of getting shamed right i also like you know when he was a kid and they have the they have the prison thing like when he imprisoned his friend because they thought it'd be fun like he he talks about how that like he was like Red and like throwing up and felt sick to stomach for doing this to another yeah. person. Shame and like that's <laughs> shame, you know. Yeah, but anyway. So then the whole Vea thing is like it sort of shows like he's naive. He yeah. but also like it's then like Gwen saying that like alcohol's bad. Like I don't really know, you know. Yes. Like it, it. Uh, so he is hanging out with this, this, uh, for all intents and purposes, babe, uh, all day, <laughs> and. uh <laughs> Shevik is like, oh wow, she's really pretty and nice to also, me. Also, this is very important. All the rasty women have their boobs out all the time. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do, and they're all bald. Uh, yes, shaved, shaved heads. Uh, but she, she has, she and Shevik have this flirty relationship, and they're like going to going to going shopping. Very uh, Vin and Ellen of them, if you don't mind me saying myself. No, no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just joking. But they do go to a party um, and Shevik gets Shevik drinks two beers and has the most depressing <laughs> monologue of all time <laughs> where he, he he's like, you ever OK, listener, have you ever been to a party? You didn't really want to go there, but like, I don't know, maybe maybe you're the 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 person you were with and you like them and they're like, hey, wow, we got to go to this party, right? And you're like, fuck, I go. And then you get like a phone call or like a friend texts you with bad news and you're like depressed at this party you don't want to be at, but you're still trying to make the most of it. That's what's, that's what's happening to Shevek. Because Shevek, uh, it's long. It's so it's super long, so we're not going to read it. But Shevek has this whole thing where he's like, he's like, fuck both of our world. I fucking hate everything. It's very, uh, it's very good. I like Shevek's monologue here uh, a lot, but it, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you bring up a good point about that. Like, so Shevek, after his monologue, Vea, it, like ushers him away from the party, and and they happen. People to... keep refilling his glass, and he keeps getting more and more drunk. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, because he doesn't drunk. know what being drunk is. And she ushers him into this bedroom, and they've had this f- hot and heavy relationship all day, and they like kiss each other. And then Shevek mm-hmm. is forcing himself on her, and she keeps saying she, she keeps saying no, and he uh, he <laughs> ejaculates on her dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and feels like embarrassed and then just does he fall he like throws up everywhere too and then does he yeah he throws up and then like falls asleep <laughs> yeah he falls asleep and then uh oye and or is it oye two two uh two people yeah, come oye and his wife yeah they come and take him back yeah they, they come and get they come and search his pockets for the theory and then oh, they, yeah. <laughs> they take him back home but when they show up like okay so this is what 
Veya reacts pretty nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that is supposed to indicate to us that this happens a lot. Or that she doesn't see Shevek as like a real threat. Like she sees him like a kid. Yeah, you know, or, yeah, or, yeah like, that's a good oh, point. Like that's because I think it's part of this episode. Like, just shows how naive he is, and he doesn't ever that like he's always sort of naive through this book, and never has has to reckon with that. And so I think this is like Le Guin trying to make him reckon with that. But I don't know if it like works one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't. I all. I think this is like a powerful section, but yeah. It doesn't... Because he uh, never... Because, like, in order to be, like... I don't know. Like, he sort of did it on accident. And if he was, like, sober, he wouldn't have done it. Because he, like, knows better. Right. But that... And so he's, like... But then, like, then that's, like, a flawless character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, that's not okay. It also doesn't make it okay. Yeah, the fact that he got really drunk, you know... Like, the people sort of drugged him. It doesn't make it okay, but, like... He also wasn't didn't know what he was doing, you know? right? Yeah, so it's it's rough. And if you think about it, like from his culture, what Shevek was doing is not bad, or or is it? it well, because th- he would because if someone said no in and he was sober, he would have been like, oh, okay, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it is interesting. It I don't. And that's uh, the only thing I can land on is like does the Gwyn think alcohol is bad? Right. <laughs> like, I don't like, know. You know, <laughs> or does. Or is it just like a convent? Is it just like, oh, we're like three quarters of the way through the book. Something scary needs to like nothing has happened at all the whole book. Like this is the yeah. first thing we're like this like shit oof, goes down. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a good. Well, or, or it's or it's. I think maybe it's like because I think a central like tension of the book is like you know ha- human beings have lofty ideals versus like your sort of base animal instincts and that's sort of like any social system or social economic system has to sort of reckon with that that those two things exist and maybe part of this is showing that like Oshevik has those two like if you get drunk you're gonna do things you can't control because of like that's just you're a we're but monkeys with big brains you know yeah in the sort of the same way of like when people get really hungry, like you can live in an anarchist society, but like you might get all riled up and raid a train because your kid is dying of hunger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I just don't know if, cause like there's two, the, the way I can see it, there's two things is that this is either, uh, like a mistake, like in the, in the writing of this book. Mm hmm. Because the rest of the book wants me to think Shevik is a really good guy, and the fact that he feels shame in the next chapter almost makes it feel like I'm supposed to forgive him, but, like, I don't. But everybody else Mm -hmm. is like, Shevik, you're the best. And he starts, like, a revolution, and he's, like, Mm -hmm. the super awesome guy. He just, I don't know, he's an attempted rapist. There's just also (laughs) this thing. And if if it is something I'm just supposed to brush off as, like, a plot point, it does feel pretty distinctly anti-feminist and there's uh mm-hmm. there are critics of this book who don't i don't know if they cite this particular thing but there are uh critics who critique this book for having pretty anti-feminist undertones uh but or 
the opposite is true, and I am supposed to be like, oh, Shevik isn't a good guy. But that doesn't really land for me because he's doing all the other stuff I agree with. Like, he does start yeah, like I a proletariat revolution. Land. I, think it's, I think part of it is supposed to be like, he's, he's like too perfect. And so, like, like when he's like, we need to t- take this guy down a peg yeah. almost. All right, so I take it back. I said I like that. I said I like, remember when I said I like this part and now we're talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> um, yeah, it just feels very out of place because then it doesn't you know i think it's because it doesn't then like deal with implications of what it was and what it brought up right i think that's the issue i have a problem with like then is he gonna be like i think he still doesn't know he got drunk like what you and know? he doesn't know people in anaris drink like fruit juice right yeah exactly fun. i just i wished there was like a like a con like oye should have been like hey what the fuck is your problem because i i imagine mm-hmm. on this on I imagine that rape is still illegal. Like yeah. they they don't bring that up, but like I that's what I would hope. Or it would have been interesting like if he for a minute like instead of him getting drunk and doing weird stuff to show he's not perfect, like maybe he gets seduced by the idea of like money for a chapter. You know, maybe he like goes yeah, on a shopping yeah. spree or something yeah. and then like gets and is surrounded by all the stuff and then feels a bunch of shame because it doesn't actually mean anything to him or something. Like that could that'd be that seems to be on theme rather than this weird scene with Vaya. Yeah, it is uh I don't know. I wonder how uh like yeah, that's a good point. There's probably a different, not to you know, rewrite a book, but mm-hmm. I imagine a world in which there's a better way to illustrate that point. Unless we are totally off the mark, and or or we're like totally missing the point. <laughs> yeah, because I did a little bit of research into it, and like I don't, I didn't find any criticism that like talked about this part specifically. Interesting, and that's and that's like because it's so. It's so contained to this one chapter. Yeah, it really is. Like, (laughs) then you can like read it and forget about it because it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's it's not brought up again. Like, what? Nobody. Okay, or like when Shavek is leading the revolution to have her as a as an anti revolutionary, being like, "Yo, he's a he's a piece of shit." Like he did this, something like that. Unless we're totally wrong, but man, I don't. But then know. that makes the book longer, and then you know who knows. Who that's knows? true. It is already almost four hundred pages. But that's, I mean, of the Urus stuff, that's sort of it. I think. Yeah. Uh, and if there's, I mean, if your one flaw with the book is one chapter, true, that it's pretty good. Book. Like, what was that? It's a pretty good book. Yeah, <laughs> it still is a really good book. <laughs> um. So, the uh, Anari stuff, I find this to be also good, but a lot less like. A lot less interesting to talk about, just for me, for me at least, because it's the problem with like a prequel, you know. Like, I already know how these. I know that like what's gonna happen, so I'm just sort of like waiting for Shevik to come to the conclusion that he needs to go. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, come on, here we go. But it does do. Well, I. Oh no, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I liked the. Like they like this group feels like disenfranchised in this anarchist thing. Yeah, I do like that. And so a lot. they did. De- so they decide to like make their own organization, which like is their right as free actors. And I love that as like a solution. And they're like, our whole job is to shake things up. Yeah. And like, you can't tell us not to because we can. Yeah. The so. Well, and then then I think a lot of the part becomes a meditation on like family, like what family means in a society that where like those relationships aren't like legally 
binding because yeah. like bed app has a whole like we get some bed app pov where he like sort of regrets not ha- settling down because he sees like shavek comforting his daughter yeah um and like certainly shavek has he sacrifices a lot by like reaffirming his relationship with his family like it would have been easier for him to just uh, abandon them yeah. And go off and do physics, but like he values them and like stays with them and sacrifices things for them. Even though like Tokver is ugly, like that keeps being <laughs> that also keeps being brought up. There's like a section where they haven't seen each other for a long time, and the narratorial voice is like, and Shavek really loved her, even though she looked like a pile of shit. Like I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I I, see, I think I see the intention. That's like their love is well, not like, skin deep. Like yeah, it, they've aged. Yeah, yeah. they both aged, and she sees that he sees that she's aged but like shevik is handsome because <laughs> he is <laughs> like, handsome genius. Vea is like yeah Vea is like you're a handsome genius <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah uh but it is you know it is it does it does do a good job of talkver and um oh my god what's his daughter's name it, it, they make a whole point about how she has a terrible name and i and i can't remember what it is is it sadiq yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's it uh, and they have another kid, but that's not... Sadiq is really the important one. But uh, mm-hmm. she... Uh, when she meets um, Shevik for the first time, they have this, like, weird... If you've ever, if you've ever like... Uh, it, it almost feels like Shevik is her stepdad. Yeah, because he... Because when she was, like, born, and then, like, the famine happened, and then so they were apart for four years. So yeah. she's, like, meeting her dad for the first time when she's, like, four years old. And it's very real and very awkward, and and I really... And they, like, all hug and cry. It's a really nice... It's a really beautiful section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we get more stuff about, like... Shevik uh, is, is, is dealing with, like, the the... They want him back to teach at the the university again, but he just thinks it's because they're trying to keep him contain, keep his ideas contained, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but we know that it's not gonna that's not gonna work out because uh, fuck fuck you, Sabul. You can't keep our boy down. He's gonna he God damn it. He's gonna give those people that information. I th- I love what Laguin is saying with like Sabul, where he's like. Just, just the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that, like, really, you're gonna dedicate your whole life to just being a dick? Yeah, it's, on this it's, anarchy it's planet. Funny. Like the fact that, like, even like those people still exist on Ooh, the yeah. utopian planet. Well, they're just like petty and like mean and like conniving and just slimy mm. what i lo- i think another huge strength of this book is just showing the breadth of like accounting for the breadth of humanity in this utopia like they're not all the same like they talk about yeah. the people who are like don't want to do any work and then go have to go live alone because no one will like feed them because they haven't like earned their keep or whatever you know yeah and that's I like, like that fine too. that's like a social thing and like Oh, there are still going to be people who are, like, bureaucrats. Right. Or, like, there's the section of, like, where Takfer and Shavek are living together and their neighbor, like, keeps <laughs> coming over worst. and being like, oh, when, <laughs> when you leave, I, I'm going to move into this apartment because there's this guy <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing and you guys have a nice view and I really want your view. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's... And, like, those people still exist. There's like something like I think Le Guin is saying like there's something in the human psyche that still 
is like that like the the sort of like the pettiness or the the desire to own things or you know like everyone has yeah. like their favorite blanket yeah you know like the emotional attachment to things and you know your material conditions yeah I like i love that about this book me too i did not expect i did not expect that i expected to be very like almost straightforward black and white yeah well it's like a 70 you know it's like a 70s science fiction book like you don't i don't know it's it it surprised me. It, I I really yeah. like how how detailed it is. I was very happy that she wasn't just like the good guys and the bad guys, you know, yeah. like an area. She like they... gets she understands like people. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like the main. Yeah, she does. Like that's a big thing about being a good author, I think, or an author that's gonna not age horribly. It's like someone who understands people. I don't know if I have a whole lot else to say. That's all the... I mean, that's the Inari stuff. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I was wondering what you thought of this idea. It seems like the book is saying something about like how the natural... Like, our material needs as human beings influences how we interact with other human beings in, like, society. Because the question that seems to keep coming up is, would Anaris work on a planet with abundant natural resources? Like, part of right, the reason yeah, they all have to band together is because if they don't, they will die. <laughs> right, yeah. Whereas if, like on Uras, where like there's lush fields and valleys and animals and everything you might need, does is that what creates this culture of like possession and nations and hoarding resources and stuff you know yeah i was wondering it, what you thought about that well i think it's i mean that is the that is the the question right like if if everybody's access is limited then they have to like they have to band together or they are gonna they are gonna die um and we see it in the real world of having access to a bunch of shit all the time is like slowly poisoning our society maybe replace the ability to like i mean still you can just go to a grocery store and buy food but just the ability to have uh to be able to communicate like like okay shevek makes twitter at the end of this book let's say like <laughs> yeah he basically makes the internet yeah because yeah, he's he like anyone can inst- instantaneously communicate with any planet anywhere and that simultaneously we know it, the internet is like a cesspool of gar- like human garbage uh mm-hmm. so from that perspective like being it's hard to because i don't think innately being around because like i'm not like that like we i am surrounded by this this world and still hold beliefs similar to shevik mm-hmm. uh i, I don't well, feel different than, like the bullet do you hold the beliefs or like would it work you know well i don't think like would people do it in a in a in a smaller like i don't think i like to think people would do it but i mm-hmm. mean our world is you know people always say <laughs> people do that dumb thing where they're like well have you ever noticed that socialism uh has never really worked in another country (laughs) and it's like conveniently ignoring all of the imperialist uh intervention in those nations but i i like to imagine in a vacuum like if we could just just have it like the new american experiment is this 
I really mm-hmm. like to imagine it would work. But but you do you would run into the same exact problems that they run into in this book of like the shame like a, a society built on shame, not laws. And part of the is the um like the isolation gets brought up. Like the fact that like a nation like this wouldn't work on a planet with other nations or like even the idea of nations. Yeah, the idea of nations. Because like is then bad. you have borders. Right. And then like it's talk this book talks about it too. Like what happens when someone shows up with a gun and starts <laughs> making people yeah. do things? Like the fact that like it sort of has to be on its own planet and isolated. And so I think the the end of the book is the open question is now that it will sort of no longer be isolated can it still work i don't not in the way it was working before no yeah uh i get in a you know to, not to answer a question with another question but was it really working before uh but n- yeah. not the way or like it- what is the what is the project cuz it brought it brings up like you know it can't get rid of capital p pain but it can get rid of like pains yeah. like optional things like no matter what there's gonna be famine yeah but like you can but like you can set up a society where like the pain of jealousy and envy aren't problems you know yeah and i like to imagine that would be the the goal of of any society but as soon as you know i mean we see it with that whole nations having borders i mean an is a nation for all intents and purposes and their border just happens to be space like literal space yeah. between uh or like one of the, the wall on the space yeah port. that too like yeah. they think those people are fuck they try to fucking kill shevik for crossing the picket line like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. i don't know anaris has not in the in the book ha- had not proved themselves to be altruistic enough for me to have complete faith in their uh, like reintegration into a larger what is it Tau Seti is that the Cetian, uh, uh the star mm-hmm. system that they're in yeah uh, into a larger society because they are mm-hmm. like I mean Ura sucks but Anaris is incredibly prejudiced against them and Shevik yeah. does make the right decision where he's like we should probably actually see what's going on over there and not just yeah. rely on like the our school like the only thing they learn in school our propaganda yeah exactly they have propaganda so i don't know D- how do you feel about that that question Danilo? answer your own question I, how about jesus christ <laughs> i don't know i think some of the i think the 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 strength of the book is like sort of what it sets out to do is what Shevik is out to do is like tear down the walls and they end up not being real walls right they're like mental walls. And they, this comes up in the book where it's, you know, oh, we don't have any walls here in Anaris, but like convention has set up walls inside our mind of like what can and can't do. Well, they do have can one, can't be crossed. one wall, literal wall. It yes, is they literally have one literal wall. wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think I see Shevek's journey as being breaking down the walls in people's minds with like ideas and the the... The faster than like communication, it's not faster than like travel. Like people can't go to places instantaneously, but like ideas can spread in real time. Therefore, mental walls can come down, and that's sort of what I see that the book is about. And back to your point about like the internet, you know, like now that we're like fifty years yeah. down the road, it feels like this book is like not wholly in the camp of. 
the the instantaneous spread of ideas is always a good thing, you know. But it sort of feels like it, it is positive in that regard. Yeah, in the way like people were pre-internet. Yeah, and now it's like you know the first thing they're going to be using to send instantaneous travel is it's going to be like alien porn, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I want to see it's going to be AI alien porn. Yeah. It's not like, oh, they're going to be sharing equations no. and like, why don't you try anarchy? It's like, it's going to be alt-right here's a, here's internet video. memes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that's like, that's the, that's the thing, right? Like communication is, should be free and important, but, or I mean, like the book is positive. Like, like that's what it's saying, but it doesn't, that's another thing though. It doesn't really wrestle with like, they're like, oh, Urus can't just have it. But by virtue of everybody having it, the terrible capitalist nation also does have it and will probably well not probably will definitely use it for for bad for evil yeah. similarly to how like to how america uses it because i don't know if you know this but uh aio is america <laughs> not subtle you, did you know the government uses the internet too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the president has a twitter yeah, account well joe, joe biden <laughs> is on x yeah. Uh, Danilla, do you uh, do you do you find I I don't know if this is anything, but I just thought thought it was interesting that, or maybe not interesting. It struck my brain that Urosti days are eight days in a week, twenty hours. They say that. Oh. Do you find okay. any significance in that at all, or do you? I just thought like it's it's almost a pretty direct analog. I was like, why just not seven days a week, twenty four hours? <laughs> I was like, huh, I wonder why. I wonder maybe that's one of those tiny detail things, like <laughs> like like when it's like you know, it's just a construct of how we even set up our yeah. days and hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Because on Anaris, it's a it's called a, a ten day, right? Like there's a ten decade. Day weeks. Decade, that's right. Ten days from D and D, and you know, truly, uh, the land of Faerun and Ares are pretty similar. To be to be fair, the Sword Coast and uh, Abenai <laughs> or whatever. You know, I think this book just didn't have enough dragons. <laughs> this book is, you know, it's it's very funny because on paper, uh, this book is pretty boring. We talked about this last time, but I was I was I was positively riveted the whole time uh, mm-hmm. except for those because two because the moments ideas we about. are good like yeah. and it's not preachy you know it's not like this is right yeah it's not and fucking... i think if you read that i've read some things on the internet where i think people read it and think it's preachy and it's like you don't know how ideas work no it's not like she's not well, those people read those people read atlas shrugged and be like interesting what a nuanced take and it's like <laughs> you're fucking stupid man <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's this book is good. I, I th- there's just one more thing I, I just wanted to to read. Uh, I thought that this was interesting that uh, in a, in a reprint a year a year before she died uh, uh, in 2017, this w- this book was a uh, you know those you know those like copies of books, the Library of America. When you when I say that, does that mean anything to you, Danilo? Like yeah, yeah. There's those super nice expensive yeah, copies yeah, with yeah, the yeah. black it's covers. The, yeah. yeah. It, if you don't know, they're, they're the books that like at a bookstore with the black cover and like the stripe in the middle of them. They look really awesome. And and this book yeah. got I I don't know if all the the Hainish cycle books did, but this one is a library. Yeah, of there's two. Book. There's two volumes of Le Guin's works, and it's like all her novels and short stories. Oh, in two nice. volumes. Oh, that's awesome. I might 
Hmm, interesting. I, I just need don't to make like read. I mean, I was gonna get it, but like, I don't want to read a novel like inside of a larger book. That feels weird to me. But <laughs> maybe that's just my own. Maybe that's maybe that's my wall inside my own mind. Oh, like, wow. if I'm reading a book, I want the book to be a no, separate. I, I understand that. Thing. I think I think I feel the same way. Uh, but she said in in the Library of America, the dispossessed started as a very bad short story, which I didn't try to finish, but couldn't quite let go. There was a book in it, and I knew it, but the book had to wait for me to learn what I was writing about and how to write about it. I needed to understand my own passionate opposition to the war that we were endlessly, it seemed, waging in Vietnam and endlessly protesting at home. If I had known then that my country would continue making aggressive wars for the rest of my life, I might have had less energy for protesting that one. One, but knowing only that I didn't want to study war no more, I studied peace. And then she she goes on to talk about uh, her, the people she read. But that's I just thought it was uh, yes, it's about Vietnam and 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 protesting that that war. That is essentially mm-hmm. what's happening at the end. And I just thought like in that quote, it seems very important to her. And in the book, it's like twenty pages. Yeah, I thought that was that was interesting. Well, and I think it, maybe it's part of like you know the ideas. Like once you start looking. For like, what's the point here to get down to the the core of it? Which I think is like, what are our tendencies as human beings and our human psyche? And how is that tied to like our material reality? Because there's a character in this book that like, he's a font of like old fashioned ideas about like war and nations. Yeah. And he's like, our status as a world power is at stake. And Tashevik's like, what the f- what does that even mean? Like, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like when the when he tried to read a novel about or a book about economics. He's like, it was someone. It was like someone recounting to him a boring and stupid dream. Like <laughs> yeah. that's sort of what it feels I love like. That. like. I love that line because as soon as you look at our world with like the ideas like borders and nations, it's like we have to be a world power, and then you're like, what are we talking? Like yeah. if you're thinking about it in the context of hey, let's make sure every individual human being has a good life. You're like, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of like what this book, I think, is trying to instill in people is to be like, to look at the things that we take for granted and be like, what? What does this have to do with what's really important in our lives? It definitely, I don't know, that's that's what I took from it. I've been, uh, I've caught myself thinking about, you know, like possession and stuff and, not scolding myself like the Aries people do, but being like trying to separate the want from the need more in my life uh, since mm-hmm. since we've been reading this book. And I would like a I would like to read a a quote yeah. that I found like I think it's stuff like I'd been thinking about in my life and knocking around in my head, and then she just like put it in this paragraph, and I think it's oh, awesome. great. Yeah. And it's about it's about the idea of like earning things or deserving oh, things, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. that concept. And so I'll just I'll just read that. I don't, it was the Shevik is at that meeting where he's like advocating for he wants to go to Ross and like some mild mannered guy on the council uh, speaks up and he says, um, uh, "What men deserve for each of us deserve everything, every luxury that was ever piled in the tombs of the dead kings, and each of us uh, deserve nothing, not a mouthful of bread and hunger. Have we not eaten while another starved?" Will you punish us for that? Will you reward us for the virtue of starving while others eat? No man earns punishment. No man earns reward. Free your mind of the idea of deserving, the idea of earning, and you will begin to be able to think. And those are from, like, 
Odo's words. Yeah, he's quoting. He's quoting the original, the OG uh, anarchist Odo. Because mm-hmm. when you, I mean, I found once you bring up the idea of earning and deserving things, you can just you can justify anything. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like that's the problem. Is like then you can justify anything. Yeah, yeah. By saying I deserve this, you could. I mean, you could destroy the world. Or like yeah, or like they earned this, or I earned this. Right. You know. Yeah. Like you can justify anything. Yeah. Truly anything. Well, uh, maybe we'll just leave you with this, uh, reader, uh, listener. Uh, Le Guin had the foresight to say that she had to wait for her to learn what she was writing about before she wrote it. I think that's a lesson that maybe some of our, uh, some people we've read in the past could maybe she learn. She didn't just keep writing a thousand words a day and then released whatever happened. <laughs> and made people pay for like a shittier version of it. I, uh, I was reading online and someone... There was like a thoughtful review of this book. At the end, it said, based, 10 out of 10. And <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I think this book is, I think this book is incredible. And I'm, and I'm stunned. I mean, I, I knew Le Guin was, for all intents and purposes, uh, somebody whose political beliefs I thought I had lined up with, although I had not read a lot of her books, just from what I heard down the grapevine. But I am stunned. There's nothing in this book that's like, jumps out. You know, like you'll read books like like uh, Heinlein. I don't know if you've ever read a Robert Heinlein novels, but I, re- I read Stranger to Strange Land in high school, yeah. and that was quite a trip. Yeah. yeah, and like they're just like, I mean, you know, fuck, fuck you, Robert Heinlein. But there's and especially like in moments in those books, it's like what? The <laughs> they're like fuck? gross. <laughs> yeah, they're like, Ugh. Exactly. <laughs> but like you're in high school, so you don't know. And I think back, I'm like, why do I feel icky reading this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But there's nothing like that in this book. And the stuff that is in that book, like the sexual assault, is a discussion point. It's not just like, it just doesn't just happen for happening's sake. At least we don't think, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know if we've, have we, uh, have we sent on this podcast our email? You can send us emails. I don't know if you listen to this. And yeah, send it's us in email. the description. Oh, yeah. The, hardcoverhooligans at gmail.com. If you have any clue, <laughs> like if you've. <laughs> yeah, if we missed the boat, please <laughs> yeah. tell us. Yeah, please do. Um, and we'll, and we'll talk about it. Uh, we're not going to read this book again, <laughs> but we will, uh, we will talk about it at the, maybe at the end of another episode or maybe right at the know, beginning we could, we could like say like if we get enough feedback we could like save it all and do like an episode just on where we talk about yeah that's a good idea feedback on things yeah but uh my you should read this book if you haven't read it i think you'd yeah. really like it especially if you listen to this and didn't like mistborn <laughs> <laughs> i think you'll really like this book if you're anything like us i think you'll really like this book next time we will be reading frank herbert's dune oh my god a fun touch point on this book and Dune is that I think it has been pointed out that this sort of Anaris is almost a response to Dune because oh. like Dune sort of asserts that in a area of or like a planet of super low resources, it would like default to like an authoritarian totalitarian yeah. state. Whereas like this sort of refutes that and like it would sort of, it would a holistic sort of collectivist society would work on a place that is sort of devoid of natural That's resources. Awesome. So I thought that was interesting. And I, uh, <laughs> the outset of this podcast, the idea is that one of us has read the book and the other one has not. <laughs> but uh, our last adventure through three novels destroyed our brains that we both read a book neither of us have read before. Uh, yeah. When we do Dune, 
Uh, Danilo has read Dune before, and I have not. Yep. And hopefully, for the remainder of this podcast, that is the idea going forward. But we'll <laughs> let you know if that changes. I have one more thought. Oh, yeah, uh, please. I think we should give all the MAGA Trump people uh, a moon that they can all go to. Yep. And then they can see if their their utopia utopia works out. Are all the, away uh, from <laughs> away from all the pizza gate Democrats. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. See if, These demon see if, rats. See if that's what's wrong with society. I thought it was uh, interesting that the in this book the libertarians and the socialists band together to uh, hate on the imperialist capitalists. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, nowadays, if you talk to a libertarian, uh, they're so fucking stupid that they think that like cap, they think that that's like still good. They think that like empire is good and like America is good. In, the, in like, their mind, they're the imperialists, right? Yes, yeah. The de- the the socialists are the empire. Silly, silly people. But yeah, read this book. Read this book. Hey, if you if you are a capitalist, um, and for whatever reason you're listening to this, uh, capitalists don't read books. No, they no. That's probably <laughs> true, but. They're too, they're too busy managing their land <laughs> and buying buying low and selling high. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean this and in, and we mean capitalist in the way like the actual definition of like those who possess capital. Yeah, not like right. the fact that you like iPhones. Like that's yes, not no that doesn't no, make you or a have a house. If you, if you make a salary. If you are getting paid for your labor, you are not a capitalist. Right. Yes. <laughs> you have to make money off of your resources in order to be a capitalist. And PSA may- from Danello, big pet peeve. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you yeah. are getting paid a salary, you are not a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. If you are deciding your own salary, you are a capitalist. <laughs> Based on resources you own and making money off of that without doing anything, then you're a capitalist. And the next step is like exploiting those labor, that labor. Like if you own a bookstore and it's just you trying to run one bookstore, uh, if there is ever a proletariat revolution, I think you're probably fine. <laughs> That's not really <laughs> that you are not the issue. That's not the problem. Uh, sweet. So uh, see you next time, I, I suppose. Remember to email us at hardcoverhooligans at gmail.com if you have any fun comments or uh, hate comments. We'll read them. <laughs> I don't, well, I say that. I guess, I guess I'll, I'll read hate. I mean, I'll read hate comments. Yeah. We'll read anything. Yeah, true. We'll read anything, folks. You heard we read Miss by Brandon Sanderson. We will read anything. We came out of the gate with the worst thing I've ever laid my eyes on, so <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get you to like me. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and if you like the show, please leave a review. Tell your friends. Uh, yeah. We're going to keep doing this. So Yeah, regardless of whether people are listening, we are going to keep doing it. Because so. we like we like doing this. Believe it or not, Danilo <laughs> and I like talking to each other. And we will do it without <laughs> anybody listening. Because that's what we were doing before. <laughs> before we started. Now we're just doing it in a microphone, not in a car. <laughs> we only ever hang out in cars, folks. You were to hear first. <laughs>